Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. And you, are you downloaded, subscribed, and hopefully rated and reviewed All Ball. This is... Uh, a podcast where we talk about a lot of hoops, and I have some hoop thoughts for you. I'm going to share one with you uh, in a second about the All-Star game. But we also share long-form conversations, mostly inside the world of basketball, but about people's lives within basketball. This one's no different. This is, I think, part four of Shaka Smart, as we catch up with him through his season, coming off of a gigantic win, come from behind win over Xavier. But it's more a look back at his life and what led him to take it on the uh, to take it on the challenge of coaching the Golden Eagles, and we start to get into some Texas stuff in this one, which is really interesting. But I also want to point out that his um, his former coach and mentor, and he went to Canyon College for, and then uh, end up working for at California University Pennsylvania, recently passed away. So we caught him two days after that, and yeah, I think you'll appreciate those thoughts as well. Before we get to that, I, I did want to share this thought on the NBA All-Star Game. I understand that the All-Star Game, in, in its heart, like if you wrote down like what is it? It's a celebration of the sport, a sport that I love, one that's created pretty good life for me. Um, and it's a celebration of the best of the best of the best. But there is something to the idea that like Jalen Brunson, for example, is not an All-Star. And Kyrie Irving is. What are we doing? Right? Like Jalen Brunson has completely changed, by my estimation, and most people in the league, completely changed the culture of the New York Knicks. He's been steady. He's been solid. Actually, if you really want to get down to it, he's kind of been spectacular. And there's no look at me. There's simply a let's go in every day and do our work. Now, I would admit Kyrie Irving is more talented. And if I got to win a game of one, and maybe, maybe even if I need to win an NBA Finals game, Kyrie Irving can, he has, he's a cheat code. Uh, inarguably the best finisher of his size in the NBA, one of the best finishers for his size in the history of the NBA, an NBA champion who stepped up, made big shots in the NBA Finals. But to lit, to put him down, I mean, look, Tyrese Halberton was not ranked above that of, of Jalen Brunson. And if we take, how he played in Dallas, how he's led with the New York Knicks, I would put him ahead of Kyrie Irving. But as a guy who loves basketball and celebration of sports, admits that all these guys are more talented and more well-rounded than I, I ever could have hoped to be as a basketball player, I don't watch the All-Star game because, well, they could actually play defense. They don't. And it's a celebration in many times of the wrong parts of the sport. Case in point, Jalen Brunson's not an all-star. Kyrie Irving is. All right, let's get back to our uh, basketball discussion with Shaka Smart. When we last talked with Shaka, uh, he was coming off of the Final Four. And we were talking about how things change. I think you'll really appreciate this portion of our conversation with Marquette head coach Shaka Smart. Um, and I, don't, I, we, I haven't pre-asked you this or whatever, but while we're while we're in the process of going through kind of your your career, your college coach, you you know, we spent so much time in during this entire process talking about him has passed away. Um, what what what's it been like emotionally when you heard the news? It's you know it's like any other you know time where. You know, one of us loses someone. It, it uh, you kind of go through different emotions and processing what happened. Um, you know, coach had not been feeling the best for for the past several months. Uh, been in a lot of pain. Um, but yeah, it just brings back a lot of memories, a lot of emotions. You know, you always feel like. There's something that you should have done more or should have done differently. Uh, but I think that 
probably would be the case no matter what. You're doing your job as kind of the leader of your program. And you're, you become the, as your coach was the second father to, and sometimes first father to some of the, some of the kids. Um, but you have to process the loss of your own. He talked about how he's, he was like a father to you. How do you, how's that been in terms of you got to do a job and yet you have all these well, emotions I think, uh, inside of you. Trying to best uh, compartmentalize because uh, the reality is the guys that you're coaching they want to be in the moment. You know, you always encourage them to be in the moment and, and focus on on the, the task at hand. And so even though as a coach you may be dealing with some some other things, you, you, yeah, you owe it to them to pour into them in this moment because, you know, for us, uh, you know, we're like everybody else in, in late February, you're just trying to continue to grow and, and move towards playing your best basketball when it matters most. So just try to try to focus on the guys when I'm around them. Do you, do you let them in at all? I mean, do they, do they understand? I haven't talked to our team a lot about, I've talked to some individual guys. Uh, I, I really, I, I hesitate to, uh, you know, make anything that, that I'm, going through any type of distraction for our guys because, you know, we have a lot of guys on our team that are very empathetic, um, you know, very much feelers like I am. And uh, last thing I want to do is add anything to their plate because, you know, there's a lot already that we asked them to do. I I only only ask because it's like, you know, one of the things that I think we, you and I connect on and one of the things you've talked about is, you know, you just really want for your players any sort of uh, close experience to the one you had in terms of player-coach relationship and what I've talked about in terms of my experience at my school, right? Like, that's the, that's the dream is to go someplace, make best friends, play hoop, compete at the highest level possible, and the connections for life. I just didn't know, like, if the, you know, if there's ever thought of, of, you know, let me let me explain why this man meant so much to me. And it, it doesn't mean that I'm going to mean that much to you, but that's actually kind of the goal of this thing, right? Where I like, again, in my mind, does that take pressure off of them and help them understand, like, look, we want to win basketball games, but it's actually more important that we win the life thing and the relationship thing. And maybe it, it takes some of the, because you know, you guys are, if you beat Creighton on the road, you're going to win the big East. You may probably win the big East anyway. And I don't know if, if that brings a kind of understanding to how you really think and feel, and it may alleviate some of that pressure of the actual. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we always try to use life stuff to, to put the basketball games and the basketball pressures in perspective. So, um, you know, that's something something I may do. I I tend to feel like that kind of stuff is actually most effective with one-on-one conversations or or with small groups of guys, you know, two, three, four guys, as opposed to the whole team. Because the, the fascinating thing about coaching is when you're talking to the whole team, and we've got about six walk-ons on our team, so we've got, you know, you're, you're talking about 18 or so players in there. Uh, and you just got you got yeah. guys all over the place from the standpoint of you know what what what's on different people's minds and you know you got a guy who maybe scored twenty points yeah. last night in a big game you got a guy who um, you know isn't getting many minutes and you know is thinking about everything surrounding that so um, you know I I really found that like getting with these we do these class meetings Doug that I really really like. Um, so I'll meet with the freshmen together and then I'll meet with the sophomores. And then I mean, we only have, we got three third year players and then we have a grad transfer who injured his knee and has been out for the year. So I meet with those guys all together. How often do you meet with them? Try to do it, uh, either once a week or at least once every two weeks. Um, I've been doing it with freshmen 
going back to VCU, we call it freshman orientation because I always felt like the adjustment to college basketball um, is not complete as a freshman until your freshman season ends. So, I mean, even though it's February, our freshmen are still going through that adjustment because, as you know, like their bodies and their minds are like, wow, like this is this is a lot more intense and longer of a season than what I'm used to. So we just started saying, hey, you know, the other guys need it too. And um, it's just a good chance to kind of listen to them and, you know, get some feedback from them. And then we always uh, pick something that has nothing to do with like putting the ball in the basket, but, but has everything to do with just how they're doing and processing what they're dealing with. Um, when we, when we, uh, when we left off, you guys had been to the final four and you had mentioned to me in the first episode that outside of this team, the team you actually uh, thought was the most cohesive, I believe you said was the year after the final four. What is it like? And so many teams, and I've actually kind of studied this, which is post final four has ruined coaches, ruined teams. Jay Wright's first final four. They have the number one recruiting class in the country, but that was it. That was the that was the downtime at Villanova. Um, remember when Georgia Tech went to the final four? Um, you look what happened. They again number one recruiting class in the country. They fell off. Oklahoma State no four goes. Oh five number one recruiting class in the country, and obviously other things brought that program down. But I only think one of the kids actually signed showed up on campus. So. You know, what happens at most places and VCU probably no different, which is suddenly now you can recruit a higher level kid than you ever could before. But it doesn't mean, and you and I talked about this, that they actually fit with your program, right? And fit VCU after Final Four. Well, what, I mean, there's a like? lot there that, that, that you just kind of brought up. I think number one, winning in general whether it's a Final Four or other types of winning in sports, can really lead you in two different directions. Uh, there is a guy I used to work with, Darren Horn. He's a head coach at Northern Kentucky. Um, and he had a great saying. He, said, he, he would say there's a residue from winning. And so the positive of winning, of course, and you mentioned Villanova, they've been – probably the best example of this over the last eight, 10 years is that, man, there's been a residue of winning there that has carried over from, you know, guys that have been there and played well to the next guys, to the next guys. And it's a real inertia that is so powerful. Um, the flip side of that is, and I think this probably relates to some of the situations that 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 you mentioned billy used to say all the time billy donovan when i worked for him he used to say and he went through it you know after he won the two national championships he used to say winning attracts shit and what he was what he meant by that was when you're able to create success people want to be a part of what you're doing for all the wrong reasons and that happened in some, again, some of the situations that you just brought up, that happened at Florida to some extent. And then because he was so good, he was able to kind of build back the culture that he wanted through just sheer force. And then he goes back to the Final Four, you know, with his group, with, with Patrick Young and, and those guys. But that's a great point, right? Like the 2000 Final Four, okay? I know that team because I played against that team, right? That was my last college game. So, I mean, you look and dudes across the roster, like dudes. Uh, what was You're it, Donnell Harvey, right? He was a one and done. I mean, he was a freak athlete, right? Um, you know, all the way down, Justin Hamilton, obviously, later became a second-round pick. Um, you know, at the time, Brett Nelson, people thought he'd be the next, you know, white white magic. They just had 
Duke. I mean, three tremendous pros in Bonner, who just stuck for a long time, great culture guy, right? And then obviously Mike Miller, who was a, a star, and then Udonis Haslam. I mean, those guys, three on a, on a team. Um, what happened there? There we go. Um, but, you know, like you said, like winning attracts shit is a very, because now everybody wants a piece of that, right? Everybody wants a piece of that. And then, then the program was disappointing for a couple of years. And then the one that went to won national championships, like those weren't the highest nope. recruited guys. No. You know? This well, one of the things that really helped really us amazing. is we had two players that signed with us at VCU in the fall prior to the Final Four, a guy named Briante Weber and Travion Graham. So they were recruited and signed with us when we weren't when we weren't really anything before all that. They, yeah. you know. I love the year, like after a guy signs, because like you're building this relationship. He's part of the program, but he's not there yet. Um, but he's he's coming, and he's so excited about it, and you're excited about him. It's just pretty cool. So those guys, while we went to the Final Four, were in the midst of that year, and they come in and they had a hunger and a humility about them that we. We just missed out on the Final Four. We weren't here yet, but we want to go do something like that. You know, we want to be successful. They ended up right, probably being, you know, a couple guys will get mad at me, but probably the two best guys we had there, you know, during my time. You know, maybe um, Bradford Burgess is up there, uh, who's a junior on the Final Four team. Um, but Briante Weber and Travion Graham, who came in as freshmen after that, um, and Bradford Burgess was a senior when they came in, that team was so connected and so hungry. We started off really, really poorly. Um, and we started like, like, man, these guys are not going to be any good after losing the guys from the final four team. And we just kept getting better and better and better. And we ended up setting a school record for wins. What about you personally? Right. Like, I mean, the, the, the thing, the humility that I've, that I've, I've come to appreciate, how did you check yourself personally? Because, um, we always call it the Naismith complex, right? Guy gets to the final four. He thinks he's James R. Naismith. Right. <laughs> and really just, they won a couple of games. How'd you check yourself? I learned a lot of things from Billy Donovan. One of the best things that I took from him is he has this way of one of the biggest things he takes from success is humility. And it's really cool. It's a rare trait because like you said, most guys, you know, when something, when they do something good, it's like, yeah, I'm great. But you know, that's, that's when he's like the most humble. And so I, I always thought that was really, really. Is it, is it, is any part of it fake? Any part because you know how it's uh, it's very him, easy no. to fake humble. Yeah, I mean, not not one iota of it. In fact, he he's almost got like a blind spot to how special he is <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I, I just think that Final fourteen, like we weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. And so I think, one, again, one of the things I took from him was you realize when you go through something special like that, how much of it is out of your damn control. <laughs> like, uh, it, and, and you're just like at different moments and you don't want it to end. You're just so grateful to be along for the ride. Um, even though in college basketball, the way that our sport is looked at and covered, the coach and then the best, like, one or two players are the ones that, like, all the, the praise is heaped onto them when the team does good things. Um, we all know that the coach isn't really as good as everyone says during those moments, and the coach isn't as bad as everyone says, you know, in the down moments. And I've been through it. I mean, as you know, like, I've been um, 
I've gotten a lot of praise, you know, times like that. And then I've gotten a lot, you know, when I was at Texas, I was at times the worst coach in the country. So, um, you know, you're sitting there like, well, I don't really feel any different, but uh, people treat you different and say different things. So uh, hopefully that, you know, you can learn to take things with a grain of salt when you go through that. What was it like? I mean, because the next year you, you play and you win a game in the tournament, you play, and then you you lose to Indiana, right? It wasn't you weren't having in by any means down years, right? You're actually having more likely like more success, more con- consistent success. So I'm sure all these schools are beating down your door. What was it like? What was the the, the thought process like in terms of do I stay? Do I go? Let Let's go. I'm I'm sure what was in those years post final four the next couple of years I what never was that thought process like it, it was funny I think I might have told you this I there's no way I would have left after the, the, like immediately after the final four yeah there's no way I mean the final year, final four years like what the, like right. we did it together and like there's no way and I remember I had a couple assistants that were mad at me about that um, and then. The years after that, I told you about the two guys that came in, Travion Graham and Briante Weber. There's no way I was leaving those two guys specifically. Never. Uh, those guys. You couldn't, you couldn't, there was never a thought, I can just take those guys with me. I mean, transferring wasn't as much a thing then. I mean, it, obviously there were still transfers, but um, I, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't sophisticated enough to look at it that way, but. Um, I mean, we just took them to a big school. You're good. They're good enough to play. They could play anywhere. They could have played anywhere. But it's it's it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Can you, by by the way, by the way, this is an aside, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm disturbing your thought process, but can you imagine you being in that same situation now, where your team's great, and you have to worry about the reality is, if you're VCU and you have really good players, they're gone the next year because it's, you can't afford to keep them, right? Kids transfer up like well, these guys should play at a higher level. Yeah, now the SEC comes in. And offers them crazy amounts of money. And some kids maybe will stay, but, but it's really, really hard to tell a college kid like, hey, dude, stick with me. I'll give you some money, even though they'll give you, you know, a, a six-figure salary. Can you imagine being in that position today? Yeah, it's. I was actually thinking about that earlier this morning. It's a really tough position that, that uh, players get put in because – what they're forced to do in today's era is make a dollar value valuation, if that's a word, of yeah. their college experience. 
the relationships they have with their teammates and their coaches, how much they're growing and developing as a person and as a player. And then they have to kind of measure that up to NIL, like compare it to NIL. And as you know, I mean, you talked about this uh, almost like emotionally with with your experience. You can't really put a dollar figure on. I mean, if you if you're able to have a great experience with your teammates, your coaches, with winning all those things, you can't put a price on that. Like that's it's beyond any dollar amount that you can that you can say. But at the same time, like you said, a lot of these kids like I did came from, you know, came from a home where like their family's like struggling and, and their, their, their mom is going check to check. And it's like, what? Like, you're going to tell me I should, shouldn't look at this or shouldn't look at that. So it's tough. I, I, I can't imagine it. So, okay. So you weren't going to leave those two guys. Okay. This is, this is a question that you can now answer. Okay. You know, at that point in time in your career, what was the job that you said, I don't want to take any job, but this is the one that I've always wanted? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. That's good. Um, I'll say this. I, I probably would still be at VCU if our athletic director hadn't left me under the cover of darkness. So Norwood Teague, uh, who, who uh, you know, I, I still communicate with and I, I really appreciate. And he obviously went through uh, and, and, and did, you know, some dumb stuff at Minnesota. Um, right. He hired me at VCU and I was the third assistant at Florida. I mean, he you talk about sticking your neck out. I really, really benefited from being part of the same coaching tree that Anthony Grant was part of. I mean, let, let's be honest, like that's a big part of why I got the job. Um, so, and we as a uh, AD and coach had a really, really, really special relationship, kind of like brothers uh, where, you know, we would go back and forth and we would fight sometimes, but we would always have each other's backs. And um, he just had a unique, unique understanding. I think because he had been a part of a college basketball coaching staff what the plight of a coach is. And, you know, we talked all the time about like, and I'm not going anywhere if you don't go anywhere. And I'll never forget. I got a call from our, our president, Dr. Rao. I was on the road recruiting. It was like, I don't know, 2013 or somewhere in there. And he said, what's going on with Norwood? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in Pittsburgh at an AAU tournament. And he said, he's, I just got a call from the, the chancellor or the president at Minnesota and he's leaving. And that's how I found out. And, uh, you know, my history with, uh, you know, coach Brown leaving my, I, we talked about that after my freshman year in college. And, um, that was, that was really, really hard for me. And so I probably never would have left VCU if he wouldn't have left your last year there. Um, you guys actually weren't playing that well down the Well, there's a reason for that, Doug. Because Briante got hurt. Both They both got hurt. So, again, uh, arguably the two best players in the six years I was at VCU that we had, Travion Graham, Briante Weber. We beat Rhode Island early in January at Rhode Island in a really, really just a hard-fought game. Danny Hurley was a coach. He was in the midst of building a, a heck of a program that ended up winning the A-10 a couple years later. Um, so we go up there and, and you know, we like to divide the game up into rounds, like every four minutes. A lot of coaches do that. So there's 10 rounds. Yeah. yeah. And so we our theme for the game was, uh, you know, that, that this is going to be a 10-round fight. And so we're keeping track every round. And we, we had this like scorecard, like a boxing deal. And somehow we lost every round in the first half, except for one. So we lost four out of five. 
and we lost every round in the second half except for the last round. And we still won the game somehow. 65-65. And we, we actually, I think we were ranked like, I don't know, 24th or something. We were in the top 25. And they had actually given us this script before the game for what was going to happen if we lost and the fans stormed the court. And so Briante Weber, who's like our emotional leader, was like, hell no, there's no way. Like, we, we ain't letting them storm the court on us. Well, in that game, Travion Graham sustained a high ankle sprain. And he was never the same. Like, he'll tell you, he was playing on one leg. I mean, he, list, he missed probably four or five games. And he came back and he played, but he, he just was not the same. And he still was able to lead us in scoring. That's how good he was. Um, and then Briante Weber, the end of the month, January, we're 7-0. We're playing Richmond, 7-0 in the league. We're playing Richmond. And um, at home, they come in. They're playing well. They they did a great job against us. He tears his ACL. And I, I in coaching, one of the worst days of my life. I mean, um, I've never seen – I've never been around such an emotional player as him. And when the doctor told him that night after he got the MRI that he had torn his ACL, MCL, and meniscus, it was like a morgue. I mean, it, it, it was like it was like a funeral where like everyone like loses their mind. And there was like umpteen people in there like crying and moaning. And I'm like, what the hell? We, lo- we had lost the game to Richmond that day. So, yeah, that's why we didn't play as well down the stretch, Doug. Those guys. No, I did the. I, I don't know. If you, I did the A10 championship game. I I, I called the game at, at at Barclays. But what's remarkable is, like again, you still found a way to win the win the league, right? Win the league tournament. Um, and you know, I mean, like you're using Doug Brooks. You're you're just kind of figuring out guys that you can fit into that spot. And the thing about Briante is, it's not just he's an emotional leader. The whole way you play is p- putting pressure on the basketball, and he's in any conversation of the best that there has ever been at doing that in college basketball. Doug. Like literally if you, you ask it, like there's n- never been a dude that never, pressures the never. basketball like that. And you talk about humility. You want to hear the most humbling thing as a coach. And, and, and most of us coaches, if you coach long enough, you've been through this is you have a style of play or you have an offensive or defensive system or even a specific play call that you like and your team is really good at it and then there's an injury and what happens is you're not as good (laughs) and it's like wow that play or that style or that system gotta change it needs to change but it really ain't shit if it's not for those dudes you know what i mean so that that was definitely a, a remind we went from i think we led the country in scoring or no sorry not scoring in steals and turnover margin briante's freshman sophomore and junior season that's hard to do three years in a row it lead the country in in in, in, in turnover margin and then he goes out and of course we don't turn teams over as much <laughs> Kind of, well, I mean, Jonathan Williams, he used, he was just a freshman yep. at the time. Terry Larry was right. a freshman. He came in and gave us, I mean, we really won that eight ten championship with a super young group out there. And, you know, I should have been smart enough to know, hey, you know, even though I wasn't as close to those young guys as I was to Trey and, and Bree, um, those guys were going to become, you know, those older guys in time. But I'll tell you, I was, uh, and th- this happens with coaches, I was like so emotionally bothered that that team wasn't able to go do what I thought we could have been able to go do had those guys been healthy and had everything gone right. And that just really bothered me. It, 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 it really upset me. But the reality is, like, you got to get over that. Like, get over that. that. It's it's not like it only happened to you. It happens every year all around the country. Um, I remember when Kenyon Martin went out 
you know, Cincinnati yeah. had the best team in the country. And then Kenyon Martin goes out yeah. and, and they don't. You know, it just it happens. Did you know the Ohio State game was going to be your last game? No, absolutely not. I I thought we were going to win the game, first of all. But no, I, I, I really, I never, and I, I'm glad that I, as a younger guy, I was, I, I had the wherewithal to think this way, but I, I never put any time whatsoever into any job stuff before the season got done. What do you remember about that game? D'Angelo Russell uh, was was yeah. terrific. I remember that Travion Graham had a shot to win it for us, I think, at the end of regulation. Um, Correct. And I just remember we did a pretty good job on Russell early. The kid you mentioned, Doug Brooks, who's like a Tasmanian devil. Um, he was a freshman, didn't really know what he was doing, but he tried really hard. And then he got a couple fouls and had to go out. And then we had another guy that went on him and, and Russell got loose. And then it was uh <laughs> it was it was tough from there. But I mean it was they had Tate, kid that's in the NBA now. They had, they, they had a good team and we, we we went all the way down to the wire. I mean, Doug, if you look at our NCAA tournament losses the last several years, whew, I mean, we uh we we we've we've been in some some devastating games, but you know what? Uh we also had the good fortune in 2011 um to, to even make the tournament and make the run we did. So I think if you coach long enough, you go through both. You get back to Richmond, you lose in Portland. Um, how did it all take place? I was just in a dark place. I mean, I, I think this probably applies for a lot of coaches. There's like a mini depression that you have after the season gets done for several reasons. You know, one, your routine is kind of broken up. So you, you, you're in a pretty good routine of preparation, practice, you know, whatever you do with your guys and, and and then the games, of course, and then that abruptly ends. And then, you know, when you lose special players, like when their careers come to an end, usually it's not more than one guy at once. Like in terms of like, and when I say special, I don't just mean like special guys, but like special players, guys whose numbers go up in the rafters. So we had two right. that we, you know, that we lost that at that time. And it's like, you know, season ends. Um, so I just, I was in, I was in a bad place, pretty, pretty bad place. And then. Uh, but so, so, okay. So wait, wait, but, but you're almost always a, 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 a positive dude. So when you say dark place, like that means different things to different people. Does that mean you just get quiet? Does that mean you you stay time you stay away from the office and you're more with your wife and with your daughter? Like what is what is it or is it really dark? Like what is a dark place for Shaka Smart Life? Well, I, I am a very, very positive person. I, I try to um and and more so this is after you know my my experience um at Texas. Um gratitude is 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 something that hopefully keeps me from getting in a dark place or pulls me out of a dark place if i if i ever get in one um and i'm better at that now than i was in 2015 the time you're talking about but um i you know like a lot of us i i have a family background of anxiety and you know um i have family members of that was severe depression. And, you know, so a lot, you know, a lot of us have that kind of in our blood. And so, um, yeah, I was just, I was down. I, I was, I was upset that we lost. Um, you know, you're mad at yourself a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're just down, you're, you're losing some guys and, you know, then you just other things going on that, 
you know, it's it's just easy to kind of see the glass half empty at that point. But, you know, again, the benefit of time since then is <laughs> the glass was was full. I mean, it was it wasn't even half full. But uh, yeah, you kind of going through that. And then I guess to answer your question, um, you know, you get a call from a search firm about, you know, in this case, Texas and are you interested? And um, it was a bunch of conversations that occurred. Uh, for whatever reason, I decided out, you know, that I was I was interested in that. And, you know, the more I listened to it and, uh, you know, heard about it, uh, the more interested I was. It was the first time I really took one of those things seriously. I remember a couple of years before, um, there was a you know potential opportunity with UCLA, and I remember somebody telling me like, "Hey, don't go too far down that road because you're you're going to end up taking that job if you do." And so I didn't I didn't go down the road. Um, why not? Why not? It's UCLA. Travion Graham and Briante Weber. <laughs> Uh, those guys were probably like sophomores or something at the time. Um, so anyway, I just, I just, I listened, you know, more and, and uh, kind of went down the road and. Um, so, so, okay. So, uh, but, but help me out with this. How does, how does your mind work with it? Cause I think this part is fascinating because I've, I've dealt with changing jobs as well. Um, how early in the process did you tell your wife? Oh, immediately. Yeah. Okay. So. What, when you originally told her, what was what did she say? Well, listen, um, I've tried to get better at this, but I used to say that I'm not very good with change. I don't like change. So I've tried to change that. But definitely 2015, that's that's me. Like, I, I don't like change. I don't like changing uh, the pair of shoes that I wear every day. I don't like changing anything. My wife is the best with change. And so she is, there's something that comes up. All right, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Um, she, uh, so when that came up, she was, Hey, let's take a look at it. It's, it's, it's that sounds exciting. It sounds interesting. So, so it's interesting because, you know, I, I think, and again, I'm, I'm not, I'm good with change. There's been a lot of change in my life. Some good, some bad. Um, but one of the things when you look at a new job is, all right, when do we start looking at real estate? When do we start looking at schools, right? <laughs> when we go to realtor.com and start, do you remember in the process when my wife lives on, on real realtor.com? <laughs> she lives on that. That's a hobby for her. So, I mean, uh, it's she, the best. Oh, look at, look at, look at the market and look at the market. Yeah, I mean, she, look at she on any right? given night, we might be like sitting in the bed and, and this was, 2015 or it could be any time and it might be hey uh you know when when we're done coaching uh you know it might be cool to live in san diego and then she'll pull that up and like now it's like looking at real really? estate there so yeah she she lives on that so it's not even really you know a job comes up and she looks at it. she's probably already looked at it um did you think it was your florida and I mean that because you're you're you you speak in re revered tones towards Billy, um, and and like there's a lot yeah. of similarities there, right? Uh, football school, big proud state school, good academic school, but basketball has never been. On the other hand, like a lot of people thought, Texas is the best job in the country, not just because the resources, but because people care, but they don't really care. And while that can suck, especially in the non-conference and the place isn't always full, it allows you to, you'd think it allows you to do your job because they don't pay attention until football's over, right? So there, there's some bonuses. Is Was was that part of the Spot attraction? On. Exactly. And what Billy had done at, at, at Florida, and Billy, Billy was still at Florida at the time. He, had, he hadn't left yet, um, was absolutely it a template like wow it'd be it'd be cool to try to go do something like that i i wasn't 
naive enough to think I could do exactly, you know, what he did. But absolutely, the the comparison of those schools, for sure. Uh, what about Texas in terms of it's a different place? So I'll I'll let you in. So this was when you took the job. Um, I had a backboard. My closest friend that I played with, with the, the the two of them. One is a guy Brian Montanati. His son's a top five uh, freshman in the country, and now he's a high school coach. And Joe Atkins is my two guard. And we got, I'll never forget, we got in this like heated debate. And I said, like, man, that ain't going to work. And they're like, why? And I said, because, you know, it's Texas. So they're going to take all those five-star Texas big dudes. And that ain't who Shaka is. Like, Shaka's got junkyard dogs. And my boy Joe was like, yeah, but if he just takes the junkyard dogs, there's that's how they play in Texas in high school. They go up and down. They just get after it. It's not, they don't really coach him in high school. He's like, if he takes the right, and I said, that's interesting. It, it really changed my perspective on it. And then Brian was kind of in the middle. He's like, look, man, you can play that way with anybody. It's just about the coach and about getting, getting, I was like, yeah, but it's, it's hard because like you guys know, Texas is different. Like they get dudes and those guys are worried about going to the league. And I don't, I don't know. So that was, that was our kind of internal debate as fans of yours. And also, you know, like we're, Oklahoma State guys were worried about OSU versus versus Texas. In your mind, what did you think it was going to look like? I was really naive. I I didn't even think that much about uh, those sorts of things. So what did you? What 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 is? So in your, here's so what's what, in my mind. How does it work in your brain? Uh, there's a certain way that we go about coaching and trying to build a program and trying to help players grow and get better. There's a way we go about recruiting and there's a way we go about culture building and those sorts of things. And let's go see if that works down there. Boots on the ground. First time. What's, what's that like? Cause now it's very different. The first time you were hired, you didn't ex- like it happened really fast. You weren't expecting it. Now you've been in a place, you know, more than half a decade. You've had storied success. It's Texas. You know, you're throwing up the horns. What do you remember about that first day? Well, listen, and I told you, I told you before all this. Um, one thing I, I I would never do is is you know, speak in any negative way towards anyone or any place. Texas is a wonderful place. Um, there's great, great people there. I wouldn't trade, and my wife says this all the time, the the experiences we had there, the people that we met, um, the folks we were around, some of the things that we learned. I mean, you talk about learning from experiences. We had... Um, three different presidents. We had, let's see, one, two, three different ADs. Um, You know, I was around guys like Mac Brown, guys like Augie Garrido, who's maybe the best college baseball coach of all time. Um, And so it was just phenomenal. I'm so grateful for most importantly, the players I was around there, but it, it it was like from the beginning, like a just a shock. Like it wasn't necessarily what my naive mind maybe expected. Um, okay, so here, here's an honest, here's an honest question. Okay, when was the moment that you thought it, it doesn't fit? It do- well, I was pretty fit. stubborn, so I don't know if there was ever ever one moment with that. Um, I think that was a, I think slowly learning that there's maybe a different way that needed to be followed to, to create success there. And um, I'll never forget, this was kind of a, a down moment for me there. I was in my second year and there was a coach there 
that had been really, really successful in another sport, um, not not men's basketball, but another sport. And she came into my office and she shut the door and she was very direct. She said, look, she said, I like you. I respect you. And she said, I, I, I even really respect the way that you go about things. But I'm just here to tell you that it doesn't work like that here. I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, this whole relationship thing, you know, um, like you making it just about that, like that, it doesn't work that way. And I, so she left and, and, and again, I'm, I'm stubborn. I'm like, yes, it does. Like it, it's, it's not true. Um, and, but it always kind of stuck with me, the point that she was trying to make. Um, and I don't think it's a, it's a black and white cut and dry thing. I don't think it like it does or it doesn't, but it's just more difficult. It's more, it's, it's more transactional. Is that, is that, there's more complexity to it. And, you know, and listen, we're talking about an evolving time, too, in college basketball. I mean, even where college basketball is now versus where it was in 2015, 2016 is, is much, much different. Um, Kevin Durant has got to be the finest college basketball player. You know, if you just in terms of like a basketball player since guys, you know, since the one and done era started. Right. And he was so good to us in, our, in the program. I mean, it was crazy. Like how, how kind he was, how giving he was, um, you know, and he didn't play for you. That's, it was un unbelievable. Player. I mean, this guy's heart, people, people should really appreciate you know, what type of person this guy is. And, and, and also just the enjoyment he had for just hoops. He would come back and he, the thing he would enjoy the most is just sitting in the locker room with the guys and like for 15 minutes being one of the guys, like not having to be this. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you my favorite KD story. Okay. So I'm very close to Scotty Brooks. Scotty was, uh, he was one of the guys I grew up idolizing. He played at UC Irvine, which is 10 minutes from my house. And they used to have big summer run with all the UCI guys. And they had a lot of pros back then. And every once in a while, early on, they'd let me hop in a couple games. And then I started to play and it was, it was awesome. So he told me it was after the first time they went to the playoffs, they lost to the Lakers. And, uh, he had exit meetings with the guys the next day. And he said, Kevin, what are you going to, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you know, I just, you know, I got to get in the lab. I got to get to work. I want to, you know, he's like, listen, here's the number for a travel agent. Okay. I need you to not touch a basketball for three, three weeks. Cause as, as I'm sure, you know, like they didn't, he had to manage practicing knowing that KD one would come in on his own. And then two, after practice, all the guys would stay and cause he would keep working. Right, so he actually is like, you need to take at least two, if not three weeks and not touch a basketball. I got you, coach. I got you. Call him, kid. Call him. He's like, I'll call him for you. So he set him up. He's going to some island, whatever. Um, so he goes, well, you know, I, I got to fly home for a day or two. Then I'm going to go on this trip. Okay. Call me tomorrow. Hey, at like 11 o'clock. <laughs> so 11 o'clock the next day comes. They can't get a hold of him. Five in the afternoon, he calls me. He's like, Kevin, where you been? He's like, ah, you know, I went to my old, you know, I was hooping. <laughs> he's like, we just lost yesterday, <laughs> you know, just just hooping, just just a hooper. So, so the reason I bring him up is he, from a recruiting standpoint, was one of the best things about Texas basketball, uh, obviously. I mean – you, you got guys who revere him and they're making a college bat. They're, they're making a recruiting decision. And we are at the time we're Kevin, you know, 
Texas is Kevin Durant's school. And, um, but so juxtapose that with every year in the off season, he would come and he would, he, he would usually come once or twice a year and play pickup with the guys. And sometimes, you know, we might sometimes, uh, all of our guys would be in there playing. Sometimes there might even be like a recruit come, maybe there, it may have come and he may have played. And we're not allowed to be in there as coaches, but you would hear about what happened. And every year there would be one or two players from the team that literally thought they could guard Kevin Durant. Like, and they would kind of challenge, you know, oh, I'm gonna get, you know try my hardest and go after this. And it kind of dawned on me that one of the challenges of being there is those guys don't know that they're not him. And I know that sounds crazy <laughs> because they're, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, he's one of the top five players probably to ever play the game. But um, it, 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 in some ways, it was it was hard for guys there to and, and even families around them to let go of the fact or come to grips with the fact that nah you know like that that that's not your path and there's a lot more there to that that affects a guy's career and affects the team and affects winning and all those things but i just bring that story up as an example of Maybe complexity. The greatest pride you have in your time at Texas is what player or what moment? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's hard to pick one. I mean, there's so many guys that... Um, it, it, it was so much fun being around. I would say uh, this might be a cop out, but if you if you take some of the, the special players um, that, that I got to coach down there and you just kind of put them all together, the the moments that they had on the court where you're standing there as their coach and then they go do something crazy like in a good way and you're like wow like <laughs> that was pretty cool like and he came in um you know eight months ago and was crying in the first workout and now he's doing that you know so that that was that was pretty awesome um you know we 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 had some just unbelievable wins, you know, that, that that were so much fun to be a part of. And then again, some 10 out of 10 devastating, you know, if a 10 is the most devastating um, losses that, that uh, you know, a coach or a team can go through. How do you deal? Andrew Jones gets cancer, right? Like there's a lot of stuff college coaches go through. But as you said, relationships are everything to you. You get extremely close to guys. If you've ever met Andrew Jones, you know, like he's a special kid, right? Special kid. But what what is that like for you to go through? Life-changing. Um, when he was diagnosed, I mean, I, just as a coach, had never been through any type of, uh, you know, player I coached having that severe of an illness and it happened so fast. Um, and then did, did he remind me, did he get hurt in a game? And that's how they, that's how they did a bunch of tests on him. Well, he got hurt. We played at VCU actually. Um, and he, he broke his wrist. And so he was out and then when he came back and got cleared, he started practicing and he just didn't have much energy at all. 
And it was like, man, it's it, it it's weird. Like he's he wasn't out that long to 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 have gotten it, you know, gotten that far out of shape. And um eventually it took it took some time, but eventually um he ended up getting you know the the testing required to you know to 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 get the diagnosis that he got and then when when the diagnosis occurred like i said it just it went so fast he also had like triple pneumonia i don't even know if that's possible but he had like three different types of pneumonia and he just and he, andrew jones is one of the toughest guys i've ever seen on and off the court and the way that he battled and fought after like what was happening inside of his body there's nothing in basketball and sports that can compare to that but he was able to use basketball and the you know the the striving to return to playing as such a powerful motivation i mean i never forget i i tried to go visit him once a week and you know because he got he got moved to md anderson which is one of the best cancer hospitals in the country which is in houston it's part of the ut system and it was we're so thankful that that he was moved because and, and i learned this the treatment protocol they put him on there was like night and day different than what they had, had him on at the previous hospital which is it's kind of scary you know um and but I when I would go visit him, like he lost all this weight. And I mean, he's sitting there, it's hard for him to get up. But he just had this this determination to him that, nah, I'm coming back. And we're like, Andrew, like, man, don't even worry about basketball right now. But it was actually helpful for him to utilize that as as a driver to to to, to fight through all the things he had to fight through. And you know, he he taught all of us so much. Last thing, and I know you got to go. Um, how do you how do you apply that as a coach, right? Because it's a it's a it's a um, you know you don't want to do the do it for Johnny, right? Or do one for the win one for the Gipper. On the other hand, it is on your mind and it is a part of it. How do you? It's kind of like today losing your own coach. Like how do you? How much do you draw on it? Did you draw on it? Like, what, what what was that like to still do your job knowing one of your players, which is like one of your sons, is in a hospital in Houston while you guys are trying to win games? Well, uh, maybe the most in emotionally intense moment that I've ever been part of with a team was a couple of days after he got diagnosed um, it, 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 his, 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 his dad gave us the okay to tell the team because all our guys knew at that point was that he wasn't around. Um, and, but they didn't, they didn't really know what was going on. They knew something was wrong, obviously, but they didn't know what it was. And so I'll never forget, like we, we had a younger team. We didn't have any seniors that year. So almost all of our guys, I think every one of our guys lived in the dorm, like the same dorm. And so there was this lounge in the dorm. We got them together that night. We had practiced earlier in the day. This was over the holiday break. Um, we had practiced earlier in the day and we got, we got them all together. And there's no right way to communicate something like that. And so we get the guys, the coaches are in there, and we tell them about the diagnosis. And wow, like they, it was so em emotionally intense and how upset they were. It was crazy. Um, and again, it's, it's a, it's a reminder of, as you've talked about, 
how close the bond is between guys on a team that go through, you know, unique experiences together. And then we were, I think, getting ready to play TCU like the next night at home. And it was like, how the heck are we going to do this? Um, but yeah, that was what we said to the team. That's how we communicated to the team. And, um, those guys kind of took it from there. I mean, it was, it was absolutely like, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to honor him. But at the same time, there's like all these different emotions that they're going through. So, I mean, you want to honor him. You want to, you want to win for him. Uh, but you also like there's, you, you know, those guys really related to him as well. And, you know, you, you don't necessarily feel like going and playing a college basketball game with some of those emotions going through you. Well, you had obviously some emotion there and really kind of thoughtful perspective and maybe even a look into why he ultimately left Texas and found a home at Marquette. That, I believe, is our final portion of the Shaka Smart discussion, which you'll just have to wait with bated breath. In the meantime, this is a good one to remind you that one, the Duncan Hopkins show is daily, 3 to 5 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. That's Eastern time, of course, uh, 12 to 2 Pacific Coast time. And a reminder that the other parts of the Shaka Smart conversation are probably in your queue, and you can definitely search them and find them. They're equally good as he's equally open and kind of been remarkable in how open he's been about his career and how much time he shared with us during a college basketball season where Marquette has been a perennial top five, top 25 team. All right, more to come on, uh, on the Shaka Smart side. Hope you enjoyed listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all about At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.